This is The Rational Perspective. I'm Alec Hogg. And in this episode, British filmmaker Anthony Fabian on his ambitious Good Hope project. I first met Anthony Fabian just over a year ago in London. Our interview was conducted at one of the darkest points in recent South African history. And it seemed a little out of place with its focus on an ambitious project that he felt would provide some balance to the global perspective of a country that was suffering under the jackboot of a corrupt Zuma administration. Fabian had spent months meeting with and forming a generation of inspiring young South Africans These folks saw the future very differently to the popular view, which was of an inevitable slide to Zimbabwe-style economic implosion. His plan was to compile an eight-part documentary for the international market, showing people outside of South Africa that there was another side to the bleak story. Fabian dubbed his idea the Good Hope Project. We met again this week for an update. It proved timeless. Earlier this year, Fabian spent three more months filming in South Africa. And last week, British television channel ITV aired a hour-long feature on the country hosted by Sir Trevor MacDonald, the first journalist to interview Nelson Mandela after his release from prison after 27 years. Promoted here as what MacDonald saw on his return to the country, the ITV documentary has had mixed reviews. But more of that later. Let's get into the focus of today's chat. I'm Anthony Fabian and I'm a filmmaker currently making a feature documentary about South Africa called Good Hope. A year ago we spoke about this project and it was it was in its early stages. What's happened in the past 12 months? The biggest shift in the project was that initially I was going to make an eight-part series for television and I found that there wasn't enough appetite for that at that time. So I thought, why not make my life a little bit simpler and just make a one-off State of the Nation film Mm. that will encapsulate the philosophy of the project and perhaps use that as bait to uh, draw further investment and the possibility of a wider series. Um, So part of the problem with the project is that it was trying to promote a positive view of South Africa Mm. right in the middle of the most difficult uh, Zuma period. It was the worst. If you think about it, this time last year, we had just gone through Pravin Gordon being kicked out of the cabinet. That was kind of a month and a half before. We had all types of chaos that was reigning as the Guptas were swinging their lead everywhere they could. And a year later, things are so different. Yes. People thought I was mad when I started the project, and they didn't believe that it was possible that things could ever be better for South Africa. But I think what happened at the elective conference last December, uh, even though it was very, very narrow victory, a very narrow victory for Cyril Ramaphosa, uh, it was nevertheless a, a transcendent moment for the country because it it avoided yet more of what had been going on for the last nine years and 
it gave the country the possibility to start again. And I think there has been a great deal of ramaphoria, which has in some way supported my basic premise that the country has a very bright future. So in the last year, given that you were in the depths of despair, well, not just you, but the whole country was, when we last spoke, how's the Good Hope project progressed? We launched a crowdfunding campaign um, to try to secure some funding and were successful with that. And with that money, we were able to shoot... I think an additional 20 days of interviews with uh, our Good Hope candidates, the people we feel represent the, the ethos of this project, young South Africans who are achieving extraordinary things and who are doing remarkable things to tackle the problems of the country. Just go back there, uh, a crowdfunding project, how does that work? There are now increasing numbers of websites that are dedicated to raising money for projects that are perhaps not commercially uh, supportable within the marketplace. So your options for documentaries are either uh, a high net worth individual who believes in what you're doing and uh, a form of sponsorship, uh, a corporation, a foundation or a crowdfunding site. Mm. So it's an alternative to traditional philanthropy. Absolutely. And some projects achieve tremendous uh, success with crowdfunding. Many fail because what I didn't realize was that you actually have to build your, your base, your funding base, at least a year before you launch your crowdfunding campaign through social media. So create a big um, uh, Instagram following or a big Facebook following. And then, then you, you launch your campaign and all those people who've already been following you will, will donate something. So the people who are interested in the topic anyway know all about you yes. and hence would be happy to open their wallets or more inclined to open their wallets. How much money did you raise? We raised uh, £25,000, which is, which is good. Um, unfortunately, it's only 10% of our total budget, so it's, it's not enough to get us to the finishing line. But I was very fortunate in that a few months ago I came across a record producer in Los Angeles who is very passionate about South Africa. He made a film about de Klerk and Mandela and um, with Sidney Poitier and uh, Michael Caine. And um, that was a big eye-opener for him. And then last year he launched his latest documentary, which was a film about John Coltrane, which is currently on Netflix on the blue train from Pretoria to Cape Town. And he, it was a two-day event, and he screened the film for the first time, and he fell in love with South Africa all over again. So he's now fallen in love with my vision for this project and is determined to try to help me find the remaining funds that we need to finish it. You've also been very resilient, because many people, I guess, would have given up by now. I definitely come from the never-give-up uh, school of filmmaking. I think there are times when you have to say to yourself, uh, look, this isn't going to happen or it's not something that people want. But the irony of my struggles with raising finance for this is, is that people do want this film. They do believe it's important. And what we've decided to do is to focus it on next year's elections. So to make this the go-to film that people need to see to inform themselves about what's happening in their country, about what the different leaders uh, will offer. 
but not just an election film to show a broader picture of what's happening in the country. As I say, a state of the nation film. So you've been in South Africa recently. I was there from December until March, uh, December of last year to March of this year. We filmed throughout uh, February, um, and we're now, we've just been granted official South African status as a film by the National Film and Video Foundation, which is very significant because it now means that the Department of Trade and Industry can approve, hopefully approve, our application, and that means there will be a rebate to the film. So there will be funds flowing through the government, through the rebate system. We will also be applying to the IDC, the International... Uh, to the IDC Industrial, Industrial Development Corporation, Corporation. Mm -hmm. correct, uh, which funded Skin, my first film. Um, and then we're still looking and hoping that either a foundation or um, a corporation will help us reach the finishing line. So let's just go back. A year ago, there were going to be eight different yes. sub-movies, if you yes. like. You've changed that into just one single feature yes. film. Does the finances... Uh, change accordingly? It's considerably less expensive. We're, we're, we're needing to raise far less money. And we actually think that in a strange way this will be even more visible because there are film festivals around the world where we can launch a feature documentary in a way that we wouldn't have been able to launch a television series. I recently had an inquiry from the BBC who might be interested in distributing the film. Um, and then there are places like Netflix or HBO who might end up um, buying and distributing the film in the States and internationally. So we, we have high hopes for the film and also we will very much drive the uh, distribution of the film in areas of South Africa that don't normally have access to cinema or television even. So we will... There are, there are special cinemas that are temporary pop-up cinemas in townships where we hope to show the film. So we wanted to reach everybody within the South African community but also within the international community. Filming in February would have been at the height of Ramaphoria. What kind of people were you talking to and, and what did you take from it? It was truly a fascinating time to be filming and I think most people felt... A cautious optimism so it wasn't a straightforward because after all you can't erase the last nine years overnight but we filmed wonderful people like Tuli Madonsela who was very forthright about what she'd experienced under Zuma um, we we filmed with Makosi Koza who ended up starting her own party and who spoke very eloquently about the role of women in South African politics um, we spoke to business uh, people like Lisa Klein, who works for Discovery. Mm -hmm. And she's a remarkably positive and uh, inspiring new South African. Uh, Gil Ovid, um, who uh, was very big in the commercials uh, space and now has a new venture with Romeo Kumalo, who also we interviewed for the project. So we're looking primarily at... Um, uh, politicians, so we, we spent more time with Musi Maimane, we hope to spend time with uh, um, with Cyril Ramaphosa um, we, we will be spending time with Cyril Ramaphosa I'm absolutely certain of that 
um, and Julius Malema. So we want to represent the three main parties through the film, but also people who are movers and shakers, thinkers in different spheres, including the arts, um, because that's important. Pumeza Machikiza made a contribution to the film. Mike Van Kran, who's a, a playwright, very important one, made a fantastic contribution to the film. So we want to represent people from different walks of life and um, different cultural backgrounds as well. Anthony, the ANC, the ruling political party, from the time it was started in 1912, has always had two, two uh, competing ideas. The one is the Africanist idea, only for black Africans, uh, everybody else must leave. The other one is a multiracial idea that uh, South Africa is a home for all. Now, we know where Nelson Mandela stood, we know where Jacob Zuma stood, but are, are, in that kind of scenario, are you getting any feeling which way the wind is blowing? Very much so. I would say that Ramaphosa is a, a, a Nelson Mandela um, acolyte. Um, uh, I believe that he was Mandela's favorite, people said. And his State of the Nation speech made it very clear that he wanted to create a South Africa for all South Africans, not just for black South Africans. And that was enormously heartening. I think there's a huge furore right now around the land redistribution without compensation question, but it's so ill-defined and it seems to me much more of a political football than an actual law-related uh, um, plan. It, it hasn't been thought through. And the thing that you have to listen to is that every time uh, Ramaphosa mentions land redistribution, he talks about there being no economic um, ill effects. And everybody has Zimbabwe as an example up the road. There's no way that South Africa would allow that to happen in that way. Are you sure? I believe so. Mm -hmm. And the people that I speak to are very clear about that. It's about rethinking how land is used. It's perhaps about sharing land a bit more. Perhaps there's a, a massive farm that's extremely well run by uh, you know, a family and it has been run by that white family for generations. Maybe there's 20% of that land that could be devoted to a school for the local uh, kids or for the farm workers. I think there are ways of sharing without going all out and actually doing a land grab and putting in place people who are not competent to farm that land. And I think that that lesson is definitely there to be seen, the destruction that it did just over the border. And I, I think South Africa is too clever to allow itself to go down that road. Too clever because of the people, the leaders that you've engaged with? Yes, I believe the leaders will not allow that to happen. And I also think that um, South Africa, unlike Zimbabwe, is the, the economy is much more widely spread. So it's not reliant ex as much on agriculture as Zimbabwe was. Um, and I think it's very aware of food security issues as well. There are, I think one of the things that Good Hope has demonstrated to me is that there is enormous capital, human capital in that country that is capable of achieving great things and is not going to allow that country to slide into the mud. So what happens next with the Good Hope Project? Well, um, we hope very much in the next two months uh, to secure the remaining funding that we need to finish the film. I think we need $200,000, which is not a massive amount of money by film standards at all. Um, and we're exploring every avenue that we can.
Um, and uh, we have a new um, uh, local uh, South African executive producer, Papi Molotswane, who's helping us. He used to uh, be the CEO of Telcom, I believe. Yeah, I know Papi well. Do Good you? Man. Yeah. yeah, he's a great man. Mm. So he's become very much a champion of the project. And maybe you two should um, should brainstorm. Hook up when I'm next in Absolutely. Essay. Two weeks' time. <laughs> so he's a, he's a very good man, and he's mm. helping us, I think, with the IDC and on other fronts, mm. talking to foundations. He's a great believer in the project, as are many people. I think our biggest challenge is that South Africa doesn't have a culture of investing in films and of understanding the, the, the power of the media to turn people's views around. At this point in the discussion, we switched over to the ITV documentary, Having now seen it, Anthony Fabian says he was, well, unimpressed, pointing out that it puts considerable focus on the shock value of showing the British audience 300 whites who live in a squatter camp and then a community of about a 1,000 Afrikaners in Kleinfontein who won't let anybody who's not an Afrikaner, i.e. not white, come into their enclave. Also telling, there is not a single mention of Jacob Zuma in the whole one hour of McDonald's documentary. The ITV program does end on a cautiously optimistic note, though, but it's very different, Fabian says, from what we can expect from the Good Hope Project. One thing I want to see about this program is whether its view was overwhelmingly negative or positive, whether it, whether it leaves the viewer feeling um, optimistic, as I know my film will, uh, but not in a kind of Pollyanna way, in a realistic way. Uh, presenting the challenges but offering the solutions, or whether it just focused on the problems. We know. Absolutely. Nine, Absolutely. nine years is not, is not fixed in, a, in an instant, as much as we think that Super Ramaphosa uh, yeah. couldn't do it. But if you listen to his speech, uh, again, the, the State of the Nation address that he gave earlier this year, he did touch on all the things that need to be addressed. And he prioritized those things, such as education and job creation, which are really top of the list. He's somebody whose foundation is devoted to education, so it's clearly something that's enormously important to him. And he's also a fantastic businessman, so he understands uh, what job creation is about. Mm -hmm. And people keep talking about um, small and medium-sized businesses as being the solution to the problem. And I've interviewed a number of people who are also job creators and incubators, who are taking people with fresh ideas and helping them translate those ideas into, into business. And so I remain optimistic. I am very conscious of the problems. And people are right to be impatient because it's taking a long time to turn things around and the inequality is still tremendous. But I think give it one more generation, we'll be looking at a very different and much more positive country. And give the Good Hope Project two more months and $200,000 and it'll be completed. We will complete it by the end of the year and we will promote it heavily in time for the elections uh, in 2019 um, and you know, hope that it gets a lot of visibility both locally and internationally. That was Anthony Fabian, the British filmmaker who has fallen in love with South Africa and its people and done enough on-the-ground research to believe that a new dawn does indeed await. But with a nine-year legacy of corruption and mismanagement, 
that sunshine won't come to us immediately. This has been the Rational Perspective. Until the next time, cheerio.